0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, Loving Jesus by Loving People. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1152 in that Bible. And we're on week two of a series that we're calling Gifted, walking in what we've been given, looking at the spiritual gifts. This is one of those topics where there's a lot of curiosity and a lot of uh, people just maybe not knowing or not sure, and and just wondering, what has God given me, and how have I been wired, and uh, and what could he possibly use me for? And so we're going to take the next couple of months to dig into this. As with other sermon series, we've created a study guide to go with it. Uh, so these are $5 at the Hub, and that's just what they, are, they cost to print. We're not making any money on those, but those are there to help you take the Sunday morning teaching and go deeper with it. And a number of our life groups as well are going through this teaching, and so we we encourage you to jump into one of those and just uh really flesh out the teaching in a group and not just on sunday mornings and so the key scripture for this series is first john 220 you have an anointing from the holy one Uh, Now, anointing is language that Pentecostals use a lot, where I grew up. I grew up in the Pentecostal church, but for a lot of you last week, that was kind of a new understanding, this idea that the Holy Spirit has come upon everybody who calls Jesus Lord. If you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has made his home in you, but he hasn't just made his home in you, he has anointed you for a purpose. He has come to work in you and work through you, to glorify the name of Jesus, to spread the gospel, and to bring blessing and encouragement to your brothers and sisters. And sisters and so there is a way that God wants to work in you and he has given you gifts in order to do that and we used the picture last week of it's like a parent giving their child a bike at Christmas time and that parent doesn't just say alright well have fun figure it out by yourself the parent gives that gift in part so that they can use the bike with the kids and spend time with the kid and teach the kid and do it together So the Holy Spirit has given you a gift. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and he wants to work with you, and we get to partner with him in order to glorify Jesus, to spread the gospel, and to bless our brothers and sisters. It's an amazing thing. God has wired you in a certain way in order to be that blessing. And so as we go through uh, today, most weeks for the next several weeks, we're going to go through a bunch of gifts every week, and we're going to go through them pretty quick. But this week we're talking about the gift of prophecy. And the reason we're doing one week just on prophecy is not— Not because it's a more important gift, but uh, it's the most common gift found in Scripture. Old Testament and New Testament. It's more common than even teaching or leadership. And so it shows up over and over and over again in both Testaments. And it's also a gift that is incredibly misunderstood. And so we wanted to take a week just to unpack it. Uh, I have taught this on this topic in eight week classes before and we're going to cram it into one Sunday morning And so we did go a few minutes long this morning, and I I hope you'll just bear with us in that Um, I'm going to tell you a lot of stories as we go through because I want to make it really applicable So the prophetic gift is a gift that I have It's not my strongest gift, but it is one of the ways that God works in me And I'm just going to throw out there I think there are a lot of people here with the gift of prophecy who just don't realize it yet And we had a number of people come forward for prayer in the nine o'clock service saying, like, this is me! I want to see this happening in my life more and more. And so that's the heart of why we're doing this whole series, is to help you find how God has wired you and how we can go deeper in our gifts. So, as we get going, um, guess what happened in our house this week? No, I'm just kidding. That's... (laughs) That would be a miracle on the level of Jesus' conception. That would be a funny thing if that happened in our house. story to get us going when i was pastoring at a previous church uh we had a girl show up at our youth group and she was 14 years old and she she had gotten pregnant and so she came to our youth group because she had an older sister who attended the youth group and so the older sister brought her to church and we met with her and she kept coming back and we said to ourselves as, as a leadership team as the youth leadership team just, you know, at 14 years old, to get pregnant, she knows she made a mistake. We don't need to pile on that as as Christians. And so we're just going to love her and support her through this. And so she's very scared, and, uh, and the father of the baby was not really too much involved, although he did end up sticking with her. But uh, she was getting lots of judgment from family and lots of judgment at school. And so she was carrying a lot, and we just did our best just to come alongside her. And one of the things that happened as the pregnancy was progressing is she had a meeting with her doctor, and the doctor said, listen, uh, for every mom, the first labor is usually the toughest one. It's usually the longest, it's usually the most difficult, usually they get easier, uh, but the first one's usually the toughest, and yours is going to be really tough. Yours is going to be brutal. It's going to be very painful and very difficult. And so that's just super uplifting, right, to hear that. Doctor's just being honest, but he said, it's because you're young, it's because you're so young, and you're still, you're very tiny, you're going to grow taller over the next few years, your hips are going to develop more, Uh, but right now, you're, I mean, you're mature enough to get pregnant, obviously, but you're not physically as mature as you will be, and that baby growing inside of you is just going to be a full-grown baby coming out of a tiny 14-year-old body, so, so we just want you to get your head around it, this is going to be a tough one, and so, uh, so we're praying into that, of course, and, and just praying for Grace, and praying for her, and praying for the baby, and praying for health, and praying for life. And one night, I couldn't sleep. I was single at this point, and I just couldn't sleep. It was three in the morning. I was tossing and turning, and uh, in those nights, I've just learned it's good just to get up and pray. Like, if you can't sleep, there's no point. Just, you're just wasting time tossing and turning, and tossing and turning never accomplished anything. But Scripture says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer accomplishes a great deal. And so I got up and I was walking through my home and I was praying and and not about her uh, or the situation specifically But just praying for different things as they came to my mind and uh, and then eventually she came to mind And so I was praying for her and then as I was praying and I'm pretty sure I've shared this story with you guys before Just there was just a moment where three things became very very clear in my mind Uh, And it wasn't a voice it wasn't a vision it wasn't it wasn't anything that profound it was just in prayer all of a sudden There were three things that I just knew with absolute clarity and one was that she and the baby were going to be fine Two was the labor was not going to be as long as the doctors had said and three was the doctor was going to come and say I am shocked that someone as young and tiny as you had such a smooth delivery for your first delivery and I just—there was just a clarity and then kind of a peace that went, oh, wow, there's there's something to that. I, I think that was the Lord. I think there was something there that was of God. And so I kept praying about it. I eventually ended up sharing it with the girl and with her older sister, and we prayed into that together. And uh, I got a phone call, you know, a month or so later, and it was the older sister, and she said, the baby's here, everyone's great, everyone's healthy, everyone's fine. And so we're thrilled about that. I mean, there's—I mean, it's a phone call, right? So this is an old story. Uh, it wasn't a text. But she's just saying, this, you know, this was great, and the baby's this big, and and healthy, 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 mom is healthy, no major complications. So we're just rejoicing, right? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everything was amazing. And I wanted to ask about how long it had been, but I didn't really want to make it about that, right? Because ultimately the baby's born, and that's the most important thing. But uh, it just kind of burst out of me at one point, so I was like, oh, and so when the baby was born, how long did it take? Because I just had to know the end of that story. And she said, from the time we got to the hospital to the time the baby was born was 18 minutes. (laughs) And the doctor did say to her, wow, I have never seen a girl so young, so tiny, for a first labor, have such a smooth and quick delivery. And so that is just an example of of how the prophetic gift can work. It's not the only way, and and it's not— I share that story because that was one of the coolest ways I've seen it happen in my life. Some of the stories I share with you today are my stories. Some of them have happened to other people. But when we talk about the prophetic, there's a lot of stereotypes that go with it. There's kind of a view of crazy people on street corners, or or people, you know, certainly, legitimately, there is a concern of people being very manipulative. It'd be very easy for me to stand up here and say, hey, Jesus told me you guys need to do this, and it's not really Jesus talking. It's just me and what I want, and so there's potential for it to be abused. But again, it's the most common gift listed in Scripture. And in the prophetic gift, we hear from God. Like, we, God speaks, and we have the ability to hear that. And that is hugely important in all aspects of life. And so if I were the devil, I would do anything I could. If there was a phone line from Earth to Heaven, if I were the devil, I'd do anything I could to try and cut that line. I would do everything I could to make sure that this gift was maligned and ripped apart and dismissed. And so we are so in need of hearing from God. This gift is so important. Not more important than others, but it is so important for us to be hearing from God that we wanted to take a whole service just to focus on this one gift, to make sure we all understand what it is. Some of you, as we go through this morning, are going to say, Hey, this sounds like me, or there's going to be something that stirs inside that says, I want this to be me. And there's going to be some of you who say, This doesn't sound like me at all, and I'm not really interested. And that's okay, too, because even if this isn't your gift, you need to understand what the gift is and how it works, because you're going to need to lean on people with this gift in your life. Life. If you have it, then then we want to help you understand it and grow in it. If you don't have it, you'll be blessed to know that there's people like this in the church that can help you hear from God as you are walking through your journey with Jesus. So let's take a look at our text today. We're in 1 Corinthians 14. And we're going to do a few less verses than what's listed there. We've shortened it up just a little bit. In 1 Corinthians, uh, we talked about this passage last week. Paul is teaching about the gifts. He's saying there's a bunch of gifts, and it's kind of like a human body where there's different gifts with different parts, and every part of the body is important, and every spiritual gift is important. And just like every part of the body has a unique purpose, each gift has a unique purpose, and that's not the same. And so we value the diversity of different people having different gifts. And he says in the famous love passage, and as we use these gifts, we need to love one another. And love is what's going to drive us as we seek to function in in the gifts. And now in 1 Corinthians 14, he starts to get specific. And he's talking specifically about public worship, when we gather together in worship. And he's comparing the gift of tongues, which is where a revelation comes from God in a different language, and then the gift of prophecy, which is where revelation comes in our own language. And so he's talking about this in 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets the tongues so that the church may be edified. And so just to be clear, even though Paul says there the one who prophesies is greater, he's not saying that that gift is more important, but he's saying in public worship, it's better if there is a gift. If I just came up here for 35 minutes every Sunday and spoke in a language you didn't understand, I can be having a great time in the Holy Ghost, and you guys are there confused, and you don't have any idea what's going on. It's not helpful for you. And so Paul is saying, in public worship, the gifts are better to be used in public where everybody can understand them. Tongues is a wonderful gift. We're going to come back to it in a few weeks. But when he says the one who prophesies is greater, he's not saying the gift is more important. He's saying in public worship, gifts are better if everyone can understand what we're saying. Tongues has a different purpose, which we'll come back to. And so when it comes to the prophetic— Again, lots of misunderstanding. What we want to do today is take a mystical gift and kind of demystify it to take a gift that's very kind of spiritual and sometimes confusing and just bring it down to earth and make it very practical. What is the gift? How does it work? How can we know if we're hearing from God? If someone says, I believe I have a word from the Lord, what do we do with that? And how do we know if that's from God or not? We're going to cover all of that in the next few minutes. But in terms of just trying to define what is the gift of prophecy, I mean, volumes have been written uh, for 2,000 years, but just trying to boil it down to its most basic, most simple. Prophecy is determining what the Lord is saying and sharing it. My thing's jumping all over. Determining what the Lord is saying and sharing it. And there's much more that could be said than just that. But if we're just looking for a basic, simple, easy-to-understand definition, prophecy is determining what the Lord is saying and sharing it. And even in that definition, some of you are already doing that. And you maybe never would have thought of it as a prophetic thing, but some of you are already walking in that. And so we can, you know, make it about uh, much more if we want to, but we just wanted to boil it down as simple as we could. So to be in the prophetic is to determine what the Lord is saying and sharing it. In the Old Testament, there are people called prophets, and there's an important distinction we need to note. Between the Old and the New. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not for everybody at that time. The Holy Spirit came upon just a few people. And so only a few people had access to God. Only a few people could hear his voice. Only a few people were equipped by him to do this. And so in the Old Testament, when a prophet spoke, you did what they said. You didn't question it. Because they had a connection to God that you just didn't have. And so when Moses spoke, or when Isaiah spoke, they were the only ones that were hearing from God, and you didn't have that ability on your own, and so you trusted God's anointed that person to be a prophet. I need to do what they say, because they are the only ones who have this connection. Now that has shifted for us, as we've moved past the cross into the New Testament, because now Scripture says, the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Everybody who calls Jesus Lord is filled with the Holy Spirit. That wasn't happening in the Old Testament. That's happening now. So every one of us has the ability to hear from God. Every one of us has the ability to pray to God. Every one of us has the ability to sense the presence of God and the leading of the Spirit. Some of us, that is just, we are wired to do that at a higher level than others. But that being said, we don't ever just listen to someone who says they have a word from the Lord automatically. We don't just blindly follow someone who claims they've heard from God. We have to test everything, which we'll show you how to do today. And so in the Old Testament, you did. You just followed what the prophet said, and you trusted that God was moving there. In the New Testament, you have the Holy Spirit in you. So you don't need to rely on one person in the same way anymore. People are still gifted in this way, but we have to test it and make sure, and there is a shift in language. In the Old Testament, it's obey the prophet. In the New Testament, it's test everything you hear and hold on to what's good because not everything we think we're hearing from God is actually from God, which again we will come back to. So first things first, this is the gift that we are told specifically to seek. Verse 1, follow the way of love, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. We are told to go after this gift, which means if you don't have this gift or you don't think you have this gift, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have this gift. Eagerly desire, eagerly seek after these spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, Paul writes few verses later in verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Pentecostals don't like that verse, because Pentecostals like to emphasize tongues. But Paul says tongues are great, and if you all spoke in tongues, that's wonderful, but I would rather have you prophesy in public worship anyway, because in that sense, we are all able to hear from God. What is the Lord saying to us? And it's this amazing, incredible, uh, humbling, miraculous thing, and it is a clear testimony of Scripture from front to back, that the Lord is speaking to us. The Lord is speaking to the people on earth. It would have been easy for God to say, just, all right, I've created you. I've done my part. That's enough. You're on your own. But we serve a God who wants to be known by his creation. We serve a God who wants to walk with us, who desires intimacy and connection with us. We serve a God who is speaking to us. And the question is, are we listening? Are we taking time to actually listen to what the Lord of the universe might be speaking into our lives? And in the gift of prophecy, we do do that. We take time to listen. We take time to share. We take time to to carve out time in order to hear his voice. Because honestly, it's just so important that we do. If there is a God in heaven who knows all things, who knows the beginning from the end, who knows what every day of your life is going to be like, who knows how to solve every problem that you are facing, if there's a God like that in heaven who loves you and who is trying to speak and get your attention, isn't it important that we listen? Isn't that so crucial? that we hear his voice and so the prophetic gift becomes crucial if this gifts available shouldn't we want to hear God's voice if this gift is available shouldn't we want to help others to hear his voice as well and I I just become more and more convinced of this that hearing from God that in itself really is the solution to every problem that we will ever face in this life hearing from God is the solution to every problem Because there's problems in my life, I don't have a clue what to do. There are things that are overwhelming, I don't know what path to take. There is wisdom that I just don't have, and I don't know what to do. But God already knows these things. God knows the solution to your problems. So we need to learn how to hear from Him so that we can know what to do. God knows what path we're supposed to take. God knows the encouragement we're going to need to get through the day. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows who you are and where you're at. And so it becomes so important for us to know, what is he saying? How are we hearing from him? What does that look like? And so how does this happen, then? How does the prophetic gift work? How does God speak? There are many ways. I'm just going to touch on a few. Number one, uh, dreams and visions. We see this in Scripture over and over again, that God will speak through dreams, and he'll speak through Visions, And it is not that every dream is from God. Most are not, I think. Almost all dreams are not from God. But God can speak through dreams and visions. So Sarah and I have friends uh, named Jesse and Heather, and they A number of years ago if you remember there was a horrible earthquake in haiti and one of the after effects of that earthquake is that there were many orphans just because so many people had been killed so there the orphanages were overflowing uh so many parents had died in the tragedy and so jesse and heather they were watching something or they saw something their hearts just broke and, and they felt like god connected them to this idea they had two kids of their own but they wanted to adopt an orphan from haiti and so they began the process and it's incredibly expensive like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and it's really difficult because there's Canadian agencies and there's Haitian agencies or whatever country it is and the agencies have to work together and they have different timelines and different laws and so uh, Jesse and Heather are talking to immigration lawyers and they're talking to adoption lawyers and they're talking to the Canadian Embassy and they're talking to the Haiti government and all of these things are happening over a number of months and they they met a little boy and they just fell in love with him and his mom had been killed his dad was still alive but his dad was just in rough shape and wasn't able to take care of him and so he was living in this orphanage and they just fell in love with this boy and they began the process and they're getting you know psychological testing done and the government the haiti government's very concerned about human trafficking and so there's all sorts of background checks and referrals and all of these things and they're getting pretty close to the finish line. We're almost at the point where we get to bring our boy to Canada. And they were, they were falling in love with him, as parents do with their children. And they were starting to, to feel that connection. And then Heather, the wife, had a dream one night. And in the dream, she saw this boy's father, who, again, was still alive. Uh, and, and they never met the father. But just in the dream, she knew it was the father. And he was just sobbing, deep, deep heart-wrenching, from-the-gut sobs in this dream. And he was saying, please don't take my son away. Please don't take my son away from me. Please don't take him to another country. And so Heather woke up, and that's that's disturbing. They distressed them, and they weren't sure what to do with it. Um, but not long after that, they got a call from their lawyer, and the lawyer said, uh, I'm sorry to tell you the whole adoption has fallen through. Uh, The father in Haiti has turned his life around and he has made a petition to to keep his son and take custody of his son The government believes and ultimately we we all agree that the best-case scenario if it can work Is for the child to stay with the birth parents and to stay in their nation if they can and in this case They feel like they can so we are sorry that this is an end for you, but that is what's gonna happen so when that happened they were crushed they were devastated and yet because this dream had come there was some comfort just in the fact that, oh, that was a profound, that wasn't just a dream. Like, that was, God was getting us ready for this. And, and Heather was seeing in the spirit through this dream what this father was going through, you know, in Haiti, even though they never met. And so it didn't take the pain away, necessarily, of everything that they went through, but it did just help them to say, you know what, God knew that this was coming, and he graciously gave us a heads up through this dream, and it just helped kind of navigate that. Well, God is in control of this, and ultimately we want what's best for that boy, and so if this is best, then then we will release that. And, and as the story unfolded, they found another boy, and it's all worked out well, and they've brought the boy to Canada now. And, Uh, And he's a part of their family as their son. And so there's a happy ending for both sides. So God can speak through dreams. Uh, Visions are like a dream, except you're awake. And so people in the Bible will sometimes physically see things. They will see angels. They will see signs in the heaven. Uh, You get the sense with John in the book of Revelation that he's actually physically seeing these things with his eyes. Uh, I've never had anything like that happen. But sometimes a vision is more just an inner. People will get a picture of something inside. Uh, a mental picture, or, or or something along those lines, and so um, Heather and Jesse, who I just told you about, that couple, they were dating still. Just to back up in time a little bit, they were still dating. Heather was living in a little apartment near the church that we attended. Uh, she ran a young adults group, and so we would gather in her apartment. We spent a lot of time there. And one day, I was in prayer, and I just had a. It was just a picture. A picture came to mind while in prayer. Uh, I was in between what I was going to I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life Wasn't really sure I was thinking about Bible college at that point But was kind of wrestling through that but thinking okay Well if I went away to Bible college then I could do this maybe or that but I wasn't quite settled on that yet And in prayer one day I was praying for my future. I just had a picture It was just a, a picture in my mind. It just felt like something out of your imagination And in the picture I was sitting at Heather's kitchen table in the apartment I was reading a theology textbook And I was getting ready to go to the church uh, to do some ministry. Now, I wasn't reading theology textbooks at that point. I wasn't working at the church, certainly. I hadn't decided anything. But over the next six months or so, things began to change, and and there was a point very quickly where uh, Jesse and Heather got engaged, and they were getting married, and when they got married, she was going to give up that apartment and move in with him once they were married. And I decided to go to Bible College. And Terry Bone, who you guys met a few weeks ago, was the lead pastor of our church. And he came to me and said, Chris, don't go to Bible College. Uh, Do Bible College by correspondence. Come join us on staff, and we'll train you. We'll teach you how to preach. We'll teach you how to pastor. We'll teach you how the board works. We'll do all that here. You don't need to go off to school to do that. And that sounded amazing to me, because I didn't really want to go off to Bible college, but I needed to to get trained. And so this training sounded a lot better. And so I signed up for Bible college online, and I started to get ready to do my courses there. I joined the staff at the church, and Heather got married and ended up moving into Jesse's place. And her apartment was open. And we thought, well, I need to be close to the church. And so sure enough, a few months later, I found myself sitting at Heather's table, which was now my table, in the apartment, reading a theology textbook for school, getting ready to head to Lake Mount in order to do some ministry. And so God knew all that was coming, and there was just a picture, there was a flash of insight that it was there. And so visions can look like that as well. Some people in Scripture hear an audible voice. They hear something that um, just, yeah, it sounds as clear as this, and not everybody has that. Dan, I've lost my uh, thing here. Um, not everybody has it that clear I've never had it that clear but sometimes people do talk about yeah we we actually heard something audibly and that is certainly biblical I don't know that it's common but it is possible I think much more likely is that there is a still small voice what Scripture calls the still small voice and we sometimes in our language of God talk about God in heaven and of course he is there as we do that we sometimes forget that God's home is not just there God's home is also here Inside us scripture says if you've said yes to Jesus God has made his home in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit So God is here. So when we're trying to hear from God It's not necessarily always this so much as looking within what's God saying inside what's going on in my heart right now And so the still small voice can be sometimes a word comes to mind Or a phrase or a sentence and and it's it can be so subtle. It just feels like your own thoughts Uh, But the still small voice is the Holy Spirit speaking within us. And so we learn with practice how to figure out what's the Holy Spirit, what's just my own thoughts, and we can get better at that over time. Sometimes there's just a a knowing, like in the first story I told you with the pregnant girl. And it wasn't a voice, it wasn't a vision, it wasn't anything that clear. It was just, there is just a a sense. Sometimes the Lord speaks and it's just the sense of things, the clarity comes to mind. It's a nudge in your heart, maybe I should call that person. Uh, Sometimes it's just that, that simple. And again, can feel very subtle. But sometimes there's just a, a clarity where you go, you know what, I, even if I'm not 100% sure, this kind of feels like it could be God, and I'm going to be willing to take a step of faith in that direction. So how can we start to practice this? How can we start? If this connects with us and we want to say, hey, this might be my gift, how can I grow in it? To start off, we just need to carve out some time. One of the reasons we don't hear from God is because we're not listening. We don't take the time to listen. And every spare minute of our day, we fill with activities, we fill with our phones, we fill with distraction, and we're not actually taking time just to listen. And if my marriage looked like that, it would not be a very healthy marriage. If every time I saw Sarah, I just said stuff to her, and when she tried to speak back, I was no, 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 and just carried on with my day, she'd be very aware of where I was at, but I would not be listening to her And our walk with Jesus can be a lot like that, where we talk a lot and we pray a lot and we worship a lot, and that's important and crucial. But are we taking time to listen? Are we taking time to get quiet and actually just try to tune in and say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? So we're going to need to carve out some time. We're going to need to take in the Scripture. And as much as we believe that God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit, God is speaking most clearly to us and most authoritatively to us through the Word. And so if we want to grow in hearing his voice, we need to spend some time in the book that is his voice. If we want to start to learn more how we are hearing what he is saying, because the same spirit who lives in us is the same spirit who breathed that word. And so if we want to familiarize ourselves with what does God sound like, we already have a great book. And you've all got one in your hands that tells us exactly what God sounds like, tells us exactly what he wants, where he's at, what he desires from us. And if you're wanting to grow in this gift, a great way to get started is just to say, Lord, can you give me a scripture to share with somebody? It doesn't have to be any more profound than that. That's just a safe way to get started because, I mean, we can abuse God's word, of course, but uh, you're not gonna do a lot of damage saying, hey, Wes, I was praying for you today. Here's a scripture I think might be for you. Uh, What's the worst that happens in that moment is that he gets a little more scripture even if it's not a profound God thing in that moment Scripture never hurts and yet there can be times when scripture becomes very profound because we believe that God breathed all of this But have you ever had the experience where you're reading the word and something just leaps off the page at you and you go wow That was for me today Uh, We can give those moments to each other. And so a great way to get going is just to say, Lord, can I have a scripture for this person and see what comes to mind. When When our kids were born, we chose a scripture for each of them. And... Uh, It's a practice we learned growing up in the Pentecostal church, which is to take a scripture when a baby's born and just pray, Lord, lead us to a scripture that's for this little life. You know who this person is. We don't know who they are yet. We don't know what their calling or destiny is, but you already know. So give us a scripture for that life that we can be praying over and speaking over their life. And we do this now when babies are born in the church. We bring a scripture on behalf of the church to to pray over that baby. And so for Matthew, uh, we chose Psalm 1 which says, among other things, uh, blessed is he who does not sit in the council of the wicked. Blessed he is he who does not hang out with the, the evildoers. And so when Matt went to school, um, Kaylee made friends really easily. Matt always took a little longer. He was a little more um, selective, I guess is the word. Uh, and so, but we we're always trying to nudge him, and he, he can be pretty shy, so we we're like, well, why don't you go ask so-and-so to play? Why don't you oh, go ask that person to play? And so there were certain boys in his class where he'd say, oh, did you go and and hang out with so-and-so today? And Matt would say, no, he sits in chairs. And it was like, what the the crazy nonsense our kids say. I don't know what that means. But but he would say it over and over again, you know, later on. Did you play with so-and-so? No, no, he sits in chairs. All right. I mean, I know... The kids teach us the new slang, right? But, like, that doesn't sound like that. And so Sarah spoke to the teacher at one point, and the teacher, who just happened to also be a believer, um, said, what is this? Like, there's a few boys that that matches says they sit in chairs. Do we have that right? And the teacher went, oh, yeah, because we have, like, a timeout chair. And so when, when kids are acting up, they have to sit there for a while. And And certainly Matthew has spent some time there as well. But... There were some boys in his class that just were spending a lot of time in those chairs, and so Matt wasn't really interested in playing with them. Now, not they're not wicked, like the Scripture was saying, right? They're kids being kids. But part of that promise from God that we've been praying over Matthew's life was, blessed is he who doesn't sit in the counsel of the way. Blessed is he who's not drawn to the troublemakers. And we've seen even at a young age that is coming to pass that is being formed in his character as God's Word is doing its work in his life. He doesn't even realize it's happening, but we see it as his parents. So God's Word is a powerful thing, and especially a a word that is a a moment from God where God says, this is a scripture for you in this moment. Uh, We can be seeking that, and I think we should. As we're trying to figure out, you know, not every thought that comes to my head is from God. Not every sense that I have is from him. Uh, As we're trying to weigh out how do we tell the difference, one of the things that's going to help us is if we write things down. Write everything down. Uh, And I've had journals for years where I just write down any sense that I think might be God. And not everything has been, but as one of my mentors used to always say, first of all, paper never forgets. We forget all the time, and very quickly, if you had a conversation five days ago, you're not remembering it perfectly accurately. Because in the five days since then, you've been remembering and spinning and and interpreting and adding your own stuff to it. And so paper never forgets. And so as soon as you write things, as soon as you get a sense of something, write it down as clearly as you can. But one of the things that then happens is you can look back and have this record of here's ways that I think God spoke to me. Some of them are not going to be God. Some of them are. But it'll be easy to see and easy to see where we were on track and where we weren't. And that's a great way to help us figure it out, is just to kind of have this record and understand that we're going to grow in this. We're not going to get it right every time, and that's okay. We wouldn't expect perfect teaching from anybody. We wouldn't expect perfect encouraging or serving from anybody. Uh, So we don't expect everybody to hear from God perfectly, but it is something that we want to grow in. And then take some time to share with somebody. Find someone you trust who you are able to be open with, where you're not going to get judged, and and have somebody that you can bounce things off of. My friend Jesse, who I mentioned, we've had that kind of relationship for a long time. I think I'm hearing from God, Jesse, how does this hit you? Does this sound like it's the Lord to you, and and vice versa? We have freedom to say no to each other. That doesn't really sound like God to me. Um, But to have a safe place and someone else who can help you hone your gift is very important. As the prophetic gift comes— Paul tells us that it comes to build us up. It's not there to tear us down. Some people are scared of the prophetic gift because they just think someone's going to point out every sin and everything that's wrong with them all the time. And that's not actually what the New Testament says. Verse 3 says the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouraging and comfort. That's why this gift comes. This gift comes to strengthen you, to encourage you, and to comfort you. Does anybody need any of that in their life ever as we walk through this dark, evil world, as we face our struggles, God has given a gift to the church to strengthen us, encourage us, and comfort us. That's the heart of the Father for us. Um, there's an aspect of the prophetic that is future-oriented. John 16:13, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. says, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears in heaven, he will speak to you here on earth, and he will disclose to you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what heaven already knows, and one aspect of the prophetic is he'll disclose to you what's to come. He will tell you, he will give you the heads up on things that are coming in the future. And for some people, the prophetic gift is summed up there, right? Prophesying is telling the future, but that's not all that it is. But it is one aspect of it, is that the Spirit who knows the end from the beginning will sometimes graciously give us a heads up. On things that are coming, I don't think that happens that often. Uh, but just like in the the story of the pregnancy at the beginning, it can happen. So sometimes prophecy is about here is where you are going. Sometimes prophecy is just about here is where you are right now. God knows where you are right now. In John chapter 4 Jesus is meeting the woman at the well and they're having a conversation and he's telling her hey I am the Messiah I am the one that uh, Israel has been waiting for and she's a bit skeptical they're having a bit of a religious debate and then she starts talking about her family and he just says yeah I actually know you very well you've been married a whole bunch of times and you're living with a man who's not your husband right now and there's they're strangers. There's no way he can know that naturally on his own, like as a man, if she's looking at him as a man. uh, But the Lord knows everything. The Lord knows exactly where she's at and where she's been. And so the prophetic word comes there not to say, hey, lady, this is where you're going, but to say, hey, lady, the Lord knows exactly where you are and exactly what you've been through. And right now, the Lord is in front of you, actually. And it validates everything that Jesus has been saying about who he is. So sometimes the prophetic comes to show us the future. I think more often the prophetic comes just to to encourage us where we're at. And so not that long ago, within the last six months or so, I was here on a Saturday morning at the church, and it had just been a bad week, and nothing, nothing too terrible, but just one of those weeks. And I was tired and kind of cranky and frustrated, and so I'm here on Saturday, and I'm finishing up the sermon, and I'm just kind of in a bit of a bad mood, and uh, just, yeah, one of those weeks. And my phone buzzes. Someone's texting. And it was a person in our church who just said, I just really felt like I was supposed to text you right now and just here's a scripture for you and just to let you know that I'm praying for you and and God knows where you're at and, and we're here for you. And it was just like, oh wow, so encouraging. And as I'm reading that, it buzzes again. Another person in the church was texting at the exact same time and saying, I just really felt like I was supposed to text you right now, and here's a scripture for you, a different scripture, and I just wanted to encourage you this morning. And it was just what I needed in that moment, and it happened twice at the exact same moment, and it was just like God in heaven was saying, Chris, I know where you're at, and you're gonna be fine and, and keep going. And so those little thoughts we have of, hey, should I text that person or call that person? I really believe strongly we need to do those things. Because you never know what the other person on the other end of that is, is waiting on or going through. And again, it's such an easy way to be an encouragement. So sometimes the prophetic is, here's what's to come. Sometimes the prophetic is just, hey, here's where you're at. Here's some comfort and encouragement and strength for you where you are today. So the Lord is speaking, and the question is, are we listening? Are we actually listening ourselves, but are we leaning on prophetic people in our lives to help us listen? Uh, Are we as a church hearing from God? Are we as individuals and families hearing from God? Because the Lord wants to speak to you, I think maybe even more than you want to listen. But he is there to, to speak to us for our strengthening and our encouragement and our comfort. And part of maturing in our walk is saying, I want to hear that bad. I want that to be flowing in my life. And so how do we know? And we're going to wrap up with this. How do we know? um, If I have a dream, how do I know if it's a God dream? If I have a sense of things, how do I know if that's God? If someone comes to me and says, hey, I think I have a word from the Lord for you, how do I know what to do with that? Because again, this isn't the Old Testament. We don't ever just listen to a prophetic word on its own. One person alone does not have the revelation of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Uh, on this side of the cross in the new covenant. So no one has the whole picture. No singular person hears from God by themselves Everybody gets a little bit and so when someone's sharing something uh, we want to take it seriously But we also just want to be aware of that something else Paul says about prophecy in 1 Thessalonians 5 is don't treat prophecies with contempt which honestly many Christians do Many Christians just say, it's weird, and I don't want anyone calling themselves a prophet. And sometimes prophets, people who call themselves prophets, say weird things. And sometimes people say things that don't come true, and so just forget it. We will throw the baby solely out with the bathwater. And Paul says specifically, no, don't do that. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. So not everything we think is from God is actually from God. We have to test everything, and we're going to hold on to what's from God. And if something, if someone has a sense of something and that's not the Lord, we're going to be gracious in that. And we're going to say, okay, we're going to keep working on this. We're going to keep growing in this. So we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we do want to test everything. So how do we test these things? There are what I call the two great guardrails in the prophetic. Two things that are going to keep us safe more than anything else. One is scripture and one is other people. So we revere God's word. The Spirit breathed this word. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart, He cannot contradict Himself. And so everything that I think might be from the Lord, I have to check it against the Scripture. The Scripture is our final word on everything. It's the final authority of our faith. It is the final word. And so if I think God's put something in my heart, or I have a dream, and I'm not sure if that's God or not, I check it against the Scripture. Because if it conflicts with the Scripture, I can put that word aside right away. That's not from God. The Holy Spirit will not contradict Himself. And then other people as well. Again, there are no singular prophets anymore. We all have the Holy Spirit. And so if I go to Jamie and say, Jamie, I, I think I got a word from the Lord, or here's a scripture I think's from the Lord for you, the Spirit might well be speaking through me, but Jamie has the exact same Spirit living in him, and it's going to connect with him if that's truly from God. If it doesn't sit well with Jamie, if it doesn't feel right, then, then that might not be... From the Lord, and so no one's above question in the prophetic. Everyone needs to submit their sense of things to be tested by the rest of the body, and so we need people in our lives who can help us discern as well. Other people are going to help keep us from going too far off the rails. The Pentecostals will use the word witness uh, when something is of the Spirit. That witnessed with me, and they'll they'll use that phrasing, which really just means that sits right with me. The Holy Spirit who lives in me, as you said that thing, there was a sense of peace, there was a sense of of this is right, and so they would use that phrasing of a witness. When I was preaching in Pentecostal churches, they might yell out, witness, if I made a point that they really liked. Uh, You guys don't do that. Mennonites don't do that. But how does this sit is going to help us discern. If someone has a word for me, I've had people share some bad, wrong prophetic words over my life, and as soon as they share it, you just go, that just doesn't sit. There's Just I feel stressed out. I feel agitated. Uh, There's something about this that doesn't sit right and then what does it do to our walk with God? Um, This is an actual album cover. (laughs) I found on the internet Uh, Worship and I just picked it because I liked it. I thought it was funny He's in a sweatpants standing in the water holding a keyboard and I don't want to mock the gift but the album cover needs some work I think so what does this do to our walk with God? If a word comes, even if it's a word of warning, right? Because sometimes the prophetic in Scripture comes to say, hey, there's sin here, hey, you want to change your path. When that word comes, what does it do? Does it draw me closer to God? Because even a hard word can, can draw me to my knees in repentance. Uh, even a word of warning can, can still push me towards him. But if that word fills me with doubt or fills me with fear and anxiety where I don't want to pray anymore or I want to pull away from things, then we're right to question whether that's from God. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, again, it's for our strengthening, our encouragement, and our comfort, and the Spirit comes to draw us closer to Him. Even if it's a rebuke, even if it's a call to repentance, He comes to draw us closer to Him. So those are some things that you can think about, and in the booklets you can go deeper, and in life groups you'll go deeper this week. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. Again, I've taught this as an eight-week class before, so it's really hard. I know he threw a ton of stuff at you in, uh, in 40 minutes. And so we have an email address, as you know, questions at meadowbrook.ca. If you have any follow-up questions here or any ways that uh, you want to keep the conversation going, we'd be happy to do that. Uh, please feel free to take use of that. You're never bugging us. We're always happy to take the time to chat about this stuff. So we were told by Jesus that in the new covenant, when he died and rose again, when our sins were forgiven, when we were made right with God, one of the things that would happen is that the Holy Spirit would come upon everybody. Uh, The Holy Spirit would come upon all people. And that happens in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. Everyone who believes in Jesus is spirit-filled. And the prophecy that that's fulfilling said, in the last days after the cross, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Just meaning I'll pour out my Spirit upon everybody, and they will prophesy. That was part of the promise. When the Spirit comes, the prophetic gift will be in action. And we need to hear from God. And so for those of you in this room who, who maybe are wired this way or there's something in the message that hit you or, or something in you that says, I want that or I want to be like that, we need you to rise up into your gifting. We need you to start trying this out. We need you to take a step. And so we're going to pray after the service as we always do. And if you think this might be you, or you're curious about it, or you want to go deeper in it, or or whatever, uh, we'd love to pray for you up here. Because Scripture says one of the ways spiritual gifts gets released is through the laying on of hands and prayer. So we want to take time for that. One more quick story, uh, and then we're going to worship, and then we'll pray. But when I uh, I mentioned I was there was a year of my life, I was around twenty where I had a different career path and it all fell apart it didn't work out. And so I'd moved back home with my parents from university and was just really wrestling with just big young adult questions of, kind of who am I and what am I doing and where am I going and what's my career and so I had I'd moved back home and it was it was just a year of kind of wrestling with God and I had been dating a girl, and we had gotten saved together, actually. I was a new Christian at this point, but we'd gotten saved together, and because of that, we sort of assumed that we were going to get married, because why would God save us together in order to have us break up? And yet, as time went on, it just became very clear to me that we weren't supposed to be married. She was a wonderful girl, but it just wasn't right. And so I eventually ended the relationship, and she she wasn't thinking that at all. She was sure we were going to get married, and so... Uh, She was heartbroken. I was heartbroken and and guilt-ridden because I just thought, did I make a mistake? Like, are we really supposed to be doing this? And then I had another friend who'd been a lifelong friend. He was an atheist. And as I hung out with him as a Christian, I just would fall back into all my old sinful bad patterns. And I just, I wasn't strong enough at that point to, to say no to him. And so it was just, I was constantly falling back into sin. And so I felt like I need to take a step away from that friendship, even though I'd been friends with him forever. But I'm, I'm, I'm at my worst when I'm with him, and I can't break out of it. And so I was strug- I'd lost my girlfriend, who I thought I might marry. I had lost my best friend and, and was struggling with that kind of loneliness. And at the same time, struggling with this sense of, what am I doing with my life? And starting to feel this bubble up of, I, I really love God's Word, and I really, I really want to teach it. And then I would think, that's stupid. That's I've never done that. I've not gone to school. My There's none of that in my family. And But Terry would get up to preach on a Sunday morning, and I would just go, oh, I want to do that. Like there, there was that gift was beginning to stir strongly. And so I was praying into that. So I was in this year of kind of confusion, lost who I thought I might marry, lost one of my best friends, not sure who I am, wondering about teaching, all these things. And we had a guest speaker at church on a Sunday night. And he had a strong prophetic gift. And as I tell you the story, this is a seasoned prophetic gift. This isn't for rookies. Uh, But he said, if anyone wants prayer, come on forward and I'll pray with you. And so um, he came to me, laid a hand on my shoulder. He said, what's your name? And I said, Chris. And he said, Chris. And then he started prophesying. I've never seen accuracy like this. I've never seen an anointing like this. Uh, But right away, it's like he knew everything about me, even though we were total strangers who had never met before. So he says, Chris, he goes, you're choosing a good path this year. You've sacrificed a relationship here. You've sacrificed a relationship there. But you are sacrificing things to go down the path that you should go. God's pleased with you. There's no way he can know that, right? That's a revelation of the Holy Spirit, everything I've been wrestling with. And he kept going, and I I have it all basically memorized, because it was a profound turning point in my life. But he said, I... I see you. I see you standing up on a stage. I see you teaching God's word to people. I see you. God's going to take you and move you from place to place, and you're going to minister to people. And it was just everything that was in my heart and everything that I had been praying into, and it was just this confirmation, and, and I didn't jump into ministry right away because we wanted to test it and pray on it. But God was speaking to me through him, and that really is the prophetic gift at its best, is that God uses us to speak to one another. And again, not everybody has it, but if you don't have it, uh, you need it from somebody else, right? And other people are going to need to lean on your gifts, and you're going to need to lean on other people's gifts. But the prophetic is here to strengthen us, encourage us, and comfort us. It's a wonderful, gracious gift from God. And again, after we worship, we'd love to pray for it, for anybody who wants it or wants to go deeper in it. So as we get ready to worship, would you stand to your feet, please? And we'll sing our song, and then we'll close in prayer.
1: As you uh, go into your week, as you uh, learn about gifts that God has given you, we continue to ask you to discern through that and ask the Lord to sharpen that in your spirit. And this idea of prophecy and hearing from the voice of God, you know, if you've read the word and the Lord's put something on your heart, maybe that's for somebody else as well. As Chris mentioned, share that with that person. Uh, Because sometimes I know in my life where God has given me something and I don't always share it. And later on you find out I should have shared it. And so as you guys go through your week, if something comes up on your spirit, as you're reading the word, if you're journaling, and there's something for somebody else, I encourage you to share that with them and let them discern what that means for their life. Uh, it's good to be here in the house uh, with Jesus, hanging out with you guys. And as you guys are going through your life this week, lean into Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, dive into the word and continue to ask Jesus to show you how you're wired, how you can serve the kingdom and that we can glorify him. And as we offer at every service, we have people that can pray for you. So if you're leaning into your gifts or going through some other things you wanna pray about, we encourage you to come forward. There'll be people here to pray with you. And as people are coming forward to visit and pray, We encourage you to meet people in the foyer, down the hallway, just so we can create a a space for ministry here. And lastly, if you are here today and there's somebody new to you, a new face that you don't know, we encourage you to go say hi to them. Let's pray. Father, thanks this morning. Thank you that you love us. You're with us. As we go into this week, Lord, guide us through the power of the Holy Spirit through your word. Help us to continue to worship you in our lives. And then whatever we're facing this week, you already know. And give us the courage and strength to face those things with joy and encouragement and hope that comes from you. Thank you for everybody here today. I pray, Lord, that as we go about our day, that you continue to reveal to us what you have for us in our life for today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday.